Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So, yesterday I forgot to film an intro, but on today's show, I'll be joined by a good friend of mine named Jasmine of the podcast Knit More Girls. And in today's case, we will cover some background information surrounding the Kyle Burton House trial. My name is Sophia Talley, and this is True Crime in It. On August 23rd, 2020, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Jacob Blake was in the midst of a domestic dispute with his fiance, Lakeisha Booker. The couple had three children together, but Jacob was abusive, resulting in Lakeisha calling authorities, accusing Jacob of sexual assault. So on August 23rd, police were already familiar with Jacob. They were familiar in worried that he may be a danger to the people around him. At the time, though, Jacob was trying to stop an argument between two women amongst a small crowd of people. Rayshawn White, who watched this unfold from his apartment complex, says that the police kept yelling at Jacob to drop the knife. But Rayshawn quotes, I didn't see any weapons in his hands and he wasn't being violent. Police, though, have a different story. They say Jacob had one of the officers in a headlock at one point, and that resulted on him being tased. Despite this difference in story, what happened next was very clear. Jacob turned to his vehicle. He started to load one of his three children into it. And as he had his back turned, Lakeisha panicked and yells, he got my kid and he got my keys. Also, at this point, police thought that he was getting ready to stab them and kidnap a child. And so as Jacob had his back still to the officer, so he wasn't facing them, Officer Rustinshevsky grabbed him and fired seven shots towards his back. Jacob wakes up in a hospital. He is paralyzed from the waist down. He has gunshot wounds in his stomach kidney and liver, and they had to have his colon removed. So he's beaten up pretty badly as this was pretty close contact shooting. He was on death's door, but at this point, police had him handcuffed to his hospital bed anyway, which is insane. And you can tell me that this is protocol, but I actually spent too much time last night reading the the Kenosha, Wisconsin booking procedures because I couldn't find anything on it and I had to read through their handbook and restraints such as handcuffs are recommended but all an officer really have to do is keep an eye out so that way everyone is safe they don't need to be restrained but anyway handcuffing a man who's on the brink of death is just inhumane I just believe that every human has a right to a humane death but that topic is for the next episode he died 
Okay. No, but they thought he was dying. Despite his injuries, Jacob survives. He is thoroughly traumatized and is in a lot of physical and mental pain, but he survived. And FYI, I'm not saying that Jacob was an outstanding citizen, father of the year. He does not sound like a good person, but despite someone's moral compass, they still deserve to have their day in court, not shot in the street like an animal. The aftermath of this case, you know, is typical for the U.S. All officers were placed on administrative leave during the investigation. But by April 2021, Officer Shesky was back on duty, full time wielding the gun that nearly killed someone. Meanwhile, Jacob's life is just changed forever. But this story does not stop at Jacob. We're going to go back to August 25th, two days after the shooting of Jacob Blake. The community heard about the shooting of Jacob and was rightfully furious. And so they began to protest. Now, at this time, there were protests happening across the country as part of the BLM Black Lives Matter movement in the wake of the George Floyd shooting. Every metropolitan area across the U.S. had a Black Lives Matter protest. Even my one streetlight town had one. It was everywhere. And because of this, some citizens in Kenosha felt that they needed to arm themselves against the protesters. And though the majority of the protesters were peaceful, a couple of days prior, there was a select few who used the protest to loot businesses and start fires and just cause damage to the neighborhood. And so the Kenosha Guard Militia Group was formed on Facebook. The militia's goal was to, and I quote from their page, which has now been taken down, to take up arms and defend Kenosha. Does Kenosha not have a police force? From what I heard just now, Kenosha has a police force. Therefore, they don't need a militia. Correct? Sorry, I'm being intentionally glib because these things make me so mad. Well, and the reason why I I was going to explain, because some believe that the police weren't doing their job when... It was a peaceful protest for the most part. There wasn't really a job to do other than crowd control and to make sure people were safe. I saw the statistics. They were extremely, they were extremely safe and extremely peaceful. Mm hmm. I mean, there's always a select few, but we have to realize that's the few amongst the many. And unfortunately, those are the loudest ones. During the Jacob Blake protests, members of the Kenosha militia group armed with assault rifles and medic packs patrolled the streets alongside the police. And police publicly deny encouraging the militia. Their partnership was caught in 4K as there is a video of police handing the militia members water and an officer even says, this is a quote from the video, we appreciate you guys, we really do. And we know that this was said because it was caught on a video live stream that was then posted on Facebook and it's still up to this day. It's a full two hours and it's going to be in the show notes if anyone wants to scroll through it just to see what it was really like because it's it's really scary to look at. And I know what people are going to say, that these people were trying to protect their city, but we can't have any old weirdo patrolling the streets with armed weapons. It's common sense. I'll never forget when I taught, and at the time there was 
talk of teachers being allowed to arm themselves in the classroom. And my boss thought this was a good idea. And I just remember looking at her dead in the eye and saying, do you really trust these people with a gun? And then she thought about it. And she's like, you know, this is a high strung and draining job. You know, this is not a place where I would trust every untrained person with a gun. And she just says, I never thought of that, even though that's you know, the next step to thinking about that situation. But I digress. I mean, no one's ever shown up with an assault rifle with good intentions. They didn't bring a platter of cookies. They brought an assault rifle. You know what I mean? Yes, which is meant to be used in warfare. So I know there will be dummies listening, thinking that they can join the police and riot gear without training or understanding of the actual job and think it's okay, but it's a stupid, stupid idea. And you're going to see the ramifications of these actions here in a minute. Among the militia group was a teenager named Kyle Rittenhouse, and Kyle was not from Kenosha, but he was a strong supporter of the Blue Lives Matter movement, which is an inherently racist organization that began as a response to the Black Lives Matter movement. And the whole point of the movement is to prosecute any crime against an officer as a hate crime. Funny thing is, statistics towards police, so violent crimes towards police, show that this is a diminishing problem, not one that's increasing. And this is a fact done by analysis by the FBI, you know, one of the best analyzers in our nation. So really at the center of it, what this movement is about is taking the attention from the real issue of institutionalized racism in America and then trying to bury it while at the same time promoting hate crimes towards people of color. And like if anybody is going to be biased towards like a pro-police bias, a pro-law enforcement bias, it's going to be the FBI. So if they're saying it's a diminishing problem. It is not increasing as some media outlets will make you believe. So Anyway, Kyle Rittenhouse of Anatoc, Illinois, after watching the protests on August 25th unfold on TV and social media, he decided to make the 20-minute drive to Kenosha. Kyle had an AR-15 rifle that was being kept at a friend's house in Kenosha. So first, he stopped there to pick up his gun, and then him and his friend named Dominic Black continued on patrolling the streets alongside biker gangs who were wielding hatchets and with the boogaloo boys who i don't even care to get into them but they are essentially a terrorist group of men who collectively only have two neurons thrown together um, so there was just a few types of militia groups and it was clear that kyle idolized these guys and wanted to fight alongside them the problem here is that what they were fighting was a peaceful protest that day, everything was peaceful. And so the militia groups just added to the chaos of provoking the crowd while visibly holding firearms. Kyle was being praised by police for being there. He was even interviewed by the Daily Caller, a conservative website. Kyle says to this, to the camera during his interview, so people are getting injured and our job is to protect this business. Part of my job is to also help people. If there is somebody hurt, I'm running into harm's way. That's why I have my rifle because I can protect myself, obviously, but I also have my med kit. It's delusional. It's delusions of grandeur is what that is. That's exactly what it is. And if it wasn't so tragic, it would be funny. But for me here, what bothers me is that he's just has this fantasy of being able to fight through the crowd who's not even fighting and come out a hero during a 
peaceful protests in a different state with a med kit that he probably learned how to use on YouTube. So it's probably useless to him. It's delusional. It's delusions of grandeur is what that is. Everybody has a med kit. Don't you guys have like an emergency, a first aid kit at your house? It's bandages and and antiseptic and band-aids you know what i mean like also i do not trust him to kiss anything and make it better because okay so i'm gonna interject for a minute because there are a lot of these ideas of how brave you think you are until you're in the thick of it so first he's 17 years old not a demographic their brains are not fully developed yet this is scientific fact teenagers do not have fully developed brains they are impulsive and things like that. And this isn't a knock. Teenagers are great humans. They have great ideas. They they have a lot, but they still have growing to do. They have brain development to do, and they don't understand the ramifications of the long-term effects. I'm absolutely not giving him a pass because, because this is going somewhere different. If he wants to be a hero, he should join the military. He should use all of that passion and fervor and serve his country. Um, no one asked him to go in there and save anyone. And let me tell you, I have big mom energy. And I've killed a spider with my bare hand in front of my children, which I never would have done before because it just needed to be done. And I feel like I am the bravest person. I have wiped the noses of children who did not belong to me. That felt like being a hero. But like, if you run into a situation and you say, I'm here, I can defend myself. Like, you know who also says stuff like that? Rex, my six-year-old. Oh, I can take care of myself. It's okay. I can... I'll, you know, I'll save you, mom. And it's it's sweet coming from a six-year-old, but also it's literally the same thing, though. Like, you have no idea what you're up against. You have no idea what this is going to be. So what you said about, like, your son, like, about how this is something we expect from a six-year-old, that's the same thing I turned around and told my husband. I was like, this kid needs help from someone, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if prisons the place unfortunately our reformant system is tragic in this country but if it was a perfect system i would prefer you know ref- something that can treat the underlying issues just getting the mental help that is needed because we have a huge crisis on that in this in the u.s and that that was my first thought was this is not someone who's who's okay there is something going on they are suffering from something but in an, another interview with blaze tv kyle states that his gun has non-lethal ammunition and that he only wanted to protect fellow citizens so he's caught on camera saying this which is also another thing that shows that he's not thinking and this could be partly because he's 17 but why have so much evidence you know what i mean there's so much evidence here at 11:48, the sound of gunshots broke out into the crowd kyle is seen running away from where the shots were fired with a man chasing him in a video from that night you can see someone most likely kyle is saying i shot somebody the cameraman then approaches a crumpled figure on the floor who turns out to be 36 year old joseph rosenbaum a local man who spent his life battling mental illness joseph was trying to take the gun from kyle who he may have mistaken for another man, possibly a Marine that he was trying to taunt earlier that night. The Marine 
after this claim that he did not see Joseph as a threat. Kyle, though, shot this unarmed man in the head and what he says was self-defense. A minute later, Kyle is still running away from a rightfully angry crowd. The crowd was yelling, get him. Hey, he shot someone, beat him up. And during the chaos, Kyle trips. A man takes this as an opportunity to run up and jump kick him. And Kyle then opens fire. But remarkably, he misses this man. And also another protester, Anthony Huber, is trying to disarm Kyle by hitting him on the shoulder with a skateboard. But Kyle was determined to not back down and he shoots Anthony in the chest, killing him almost instantly. Watching this unfold was journalist Gage Grosskraut, who was filming the protest for the American Civil Liberties Union. So he was there legally. He actually ran alongside Kyle before he fell after the first shooting and asked him if he shot someone. And Gage was armed himself. And after witnessing the shooting of Antony, he actually approached Kyle, not with a gun, but with his hands up in surrender. And Kyle just did not accept his surrender and he shot him in the arm anyway. It is reported that Kyle shot into the crowd at least 16 times before turning himself into police. Police stated that as Kyle approached them, they did not know that he was the active shooter, which is insane because he literally shot out nearly 20 times into a crowd. And if civilian Gage knew that he was most likely the shooter before even seeing him shoot anyone, I mean, come on. Police tell Kyle because they don't know that he's a shooter to step away as he is interfering with their police work of locating the shooter. But he still continues to walk towards them with his rifle strapped to his chest. So he's armed. So he's walking towards them in surrender. And an officer even tried to stop him with pepper spray. Police later say that they suffered from tunnel vision at this moment. And as a result, they didn't realize that he was the shooter, despite the fact that there was a crowd of people telling them that, yes, he was an active shooter. There were people yelling, you, you'll see it on video. I'll, I'll post some videos in the um, show notes just because I can't. If you're watching on YouTube, I can't put a lot of it because it's violent and just out of respect of the victims. But at this time, people are yelling and identifying him as this shooter. And this is my own thoughts. This isn't the fact, but my own thoughts is maybe police just didn't want to believe that this person who they saw as an ally was actually the one causing all the death and carnage that night. But again, that is just my opinion just by looking at the facts. Kyle was finally able to turn himself in after a full hour after the shooting first broke out. He was charged with first degree intentional homicide in the state of Illinois. But in Wisconsin, he had six charges against him, including first degree reckless homicide, first degree intentional homicide, attempted first degree intentional homicide, first degree reckless endangerment, and possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. On November 20th, Kyle was released on bail after posting $2 million. And on January 5th, he pleaded not guilty, which all of this is absurd because it is clear as day that he did these crimes. 
And while on bail, Kyle just did not seem to learn his lesson. He became a celebrity of sorts among right-wing extremists. He was caught at a bar in Wisconsin with his mom and five men approached him as they were drinking. And these were supporters of the Proud Boy terrorist movement. And they asked to take photos with him as if he was a celebrity. And in the photo, he's holding up a racist sign, a sign used by white supremacists. So as a result, the court ordered that he could no longer consume alcohol while out on bail or have firearms or be associated with hate groups. All these things should have already been done from day one, but they were not. Isn't he under 21? So it's illegal for him to consume alcohol anyway. Also, which guy goes... What young person goes to a bar with their mom? You know who goes to bars with their mom? Me. My butt's going to be 40 next year. I go to bars with my mom. Did I go to bars with my mom when I wasn't 21? Absolutely not. You know why? Because I was a minor. I couldn't go to bars. I wonder if they served him because he was a local celebrity. I wonder if it was an event saying Kyle's going to be here. This is all speculation. But it just seems to line up to have someone who supports the Proud Boys there as he is there taking photos it just you know what i mean like if you look at this this is a lot of coincidences and meanwhile during these shenanigans kyle's group of lawyers were releasing highly edited footage from that night that was edited to obviously make him look like he was the hero in a situation that did not need a hero kyle's defense maintained that he was acting out of self-defense which doesn't make any sense given that he was shooting unarmed civilians who felt like they were endangered because there was a man shooting them on november 19th the jury reached their verdict they found kyle not guilty on all counts and you might be wondering how is he not even guilty of of having a firearm as a minor well apparently in wisconsin they found a loophole in the law saying because the gun had a short butt like the butt of the gun was short minors are allowed to carry that type which is insane because it's still an assault rifle it sounds like an 1800s rule you know yeah an old timey law but still it's like he was able to get out of all counts because of that i just don't understand how even on the, the most basic grounds of him breaking the law it's still he was still not guilty that makes absolutely no sense but as a result the world just exploded kyle is getting support from those who side with conservative politics and is getting criticism from those who support left politics but just looking at the fact of the matter here at the core of this case there is just a teenager who shot and killed two unarmed people, and then he shot another one who had his hands up and surrender. At the end of the day, a person that roams the street with the intention to kill, as Kyle did, is a terrorist, is a danger to our society, and should not be free to be on the streets, period. It boggles my mind that so many educated people who went to school for political science are now using this and backing Kyle for their own political gain to help propel their careers. But this is at the expense of public safety, the same public that they pledged to protect. What Kyle has learned from this situation is that he can get away with murder, assault, and, and endangerment without repercussions. While men of color, specifically black men, are still being racially profiled and shot by those same officers that 
praised Kyle and handed him water as if he was fighting alongside them. It just doesn't make any sense. And by the way, I purposefully did not talk about anyone's race until now. Kyle is white. His victims were all white. People are then using this fact to show that this case is not a result of injustices towards Blacks, but it clearly is, as we will see next week when I cover the case of Julius Jones, um, which is another high-profile case that also was in the news and in the media this week. So that, in a nutshell, is what happened over the course of this year with Kyle. And, you know, I didn't talk about how he looked in court and the fake tears and everything like that, just because I, to me, that's all just extra stuff at You know what I mean? At the core of this case, there are people here who are missing their families and people who are traumatized. And now this person is allowed to walk the streets and is able to do this again, possibly without any repercussions. Without So what is your thoughts? What I've learned over the last however many months this pandemic has been, because I've been watching a lot of true crime, um, is you can buy a lot of lawyer time if you have enough money and you can buy your way out of trouble you can buy your way out of prison you can buy your way into an artificially extended trial if you can afford a good lawyer you get more justice than someone who can't afford a lawyer or someone who has a public defender and like no knocks against public defenders that's hard work but you got a lot of cases whereas if you are um, a defense attorney you get to pick your clients for the most part. They have to pay you like, and $2 million buys you a lot of lawyer. My pillow CEO, Ricky Schroeder, is one of the people who raised, help him raise his bond. So that was interesting. Something I forget to mention is that the 36-year-old man, Joseph, the first man he shot, his lawyers claimed that he was doing the public a good service for shooting him because he was bipolar. And they have statistics saying that bipolar people and people with depression are more likely to hurt others. Um, a trained Marine who was there did not think Joseph was a threat. He served this country and people don't realize Marines go through a lot of training of analyzing people for their own safety and for ours. I have so much respect for them because that's a hard job. And I trust their judgment over a 17 year old with a rifle who did not go through the training and years of dedication to have that title. Um, It just doesn't make any sense. Like you don't just get to be a Marine. That's not a thing that happens. Exactly. No, no, you work extremely hard, extremely hard. And that is the story of the Kyle Rittenhouse shootings. For more information, including show notes and sources, please visit www.thedrunkmatter.com slash true crime. Before I close out, I just want to ask you one quick question for the Knitter Mission. What are you knitting? <gasps> what am I knitting? Well, I was hoping to show you my rainbowgun, but it's in the other room. And I had to count, so I didn't work on that. But this is my Le Escargot Bleu wrap that I have been working on. This is my Zoom knitting. It looks like the sandworm thing from Beetlejuice, but here's the other color. Yeah, it's going to be really hot. Um, Thank you. I'm loving it. 
No, it's here's the other color. That's awesome. Is it a cowl? Does it connect? So it's going to be, it's just like a big triangle. Oh, okay. So it's flat. Okay. Let me see if I've got. (laughs) Look at my super cheap printout picture. At least you print out the picture. I just skip because I I keep my ink. (laughs) I'm cheap. Well, so (laughs) this I usually do. But it's like, this was the page with all the instructions and they had the tiny pictures. But I don't do like the full, no, I don't do the full size picture page. No. Are you kidding? I, my mom's voice is in the back of my head like, ugh, so much ink. But yeah, so this is my Zoom knitting. It's um, silk and wool. It's really lovely. It's from Sea Change Fibers. I cannot wait to wear this. It looks nice. Looks like it flows, like drapey. So, so what yarn is that? Because it looks really drapey. It does. Like, yes. This is Sea Change Fibers Ecola Worsted. It is 85% merino, 15% silk. It's decadent. And I'm going to wear it against my skin, under my coat. Well, theoretically, under my coat. I haven't needed my coat yet. But when I get there. I was just about to say, what coat? You're on the West Coast where, to me, as an East Coaster... Uh, to me, that means no matter where you are, you're, you're never cold. So you could always send that shawl to me and I'll get more use out of it. <laughs> you know what? It would look beautiful on you. It would be stunning because it's got bold colors and like the orange would look so good on you. Can I tell you, I am dying over your t-shirt. Is it a t-shirt or a sweatshirt? Thank you. It's a sweatshirt that I, oh, my belly's out. It's a sweatshirt that I cut, be- that I cut, I'm not talking to the mic because for those who are not listening, I mean, those who are listening, I'm wearing a Drunk Knitter Craft Drink and Be Merry sweatshirt. It's in my shop. <laughs> Link in the show notes. But this is this is my Christmas sweater because I never have time to knit Christmas sweaters because I'm too busy gift knitting. Not this year. Um, I will be knitting on the machine. So that's what that shirt is. Are you doing machine knitting? Wait, did I miss something important? I'm a few episodes behind. Oh, no, it's not in the show yet. I haven't talked about my, my machine knits yet, but next week I'm going to talk about it because hopefully I'll be getting on those orders. I mean, those Christmas gifts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.